You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. I, this morning I woke up with a, with a thought in my head and I want to share it with you before we begin. The devil don't stand a single chance. He don't stand a chance today. And it's not because you're, you're looking at me, and it's not because you're sitting next to your friends, and it's not because white tape is moved from every other row on the front half of this church. The Word of God is why the devil don't stand a chance today, amen? If you've got a copy of God's Word with you, Galatians chapter 1 is where we're going to be. If you don't know me, I'm Nick. I'm the youth pastor. You can visit me in the FC any Wednesday night that you want at 6.30. I'm just saying. Galatians chapter 1 is where we're going to be, and I've got some timeless advice. It's graduation Sunday. Got some timeless advice for you before we jump into the Word. And that timeless advice, graduates and those who can't remember what year they did graduate, here it is. Never trust a yellow tag salad. Never trust a yellow tag salad. Pastor Nick, what on earth are you doing? You started so good and now look at you. Never trust a yellow tag salad. I'm a salad bar guy through and through and one of the um, sad realities of a COVID world is salad bars have pretty much gone bye-bye and I I look forward to the day that I can roll into Hy-Vee, which has my favorite salad bar, and, and grab lunch again. I can't wait for that day to come. So I've had to find other ways to get my salad, and uh, so I went to another pretty prominent grocer and happened to see that they make salads that are already made for you. You don't even have to do the buffet style. You don't have to do the sneeze guard. You don't have to do the tongs and spill stuff all over the floor. You don't have to do that. They've got these salads that are already made, and they're in boxes, but wait, it gets better than that. The ones with the yellow tag on them cost less. I don't know if you knew that, but they cost less. Now, my advice to you is never trust the yellow tag salad. I know that because I trusted the yellow tag salad one time and it didn't work out so well for me. Here's why. There's a reason they discounted those things. They're old. If you know me, I've got kind of a phobia of wilty vegetables. Ask my wife. There's a bag of spinach in our fridge right now that I've used once that's probably going to get thrown away because there's one wrinkly little leaf in there. The thing about those yellow tag salads is they're, 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 they're not good. They're bad. They're discounted, which indicates that they're not any good anymore. You will open them up, and what they do is they put the green leaves right on top so you see those, but right underneath it, there's lettuce as yellow as the tag itself. That is the world that we live in when salad bars aren't around. Here's the point. A yellow tag salad isn't discounted to give us a great deal. It's discounted because it no longer has any value left. Don't trust the yellow tag salad. This morning, as we, as we look at uh, Galatians chapter 1, we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to look into our own hearts as we look um, at, a, at a first century network of churches that's getting ready to roll, and Paul's been there, and he's preached the gospel to him. and there's going to be some folks called Judaizers that are going to come in after him and say, whoa, 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 what Paul offered you isn't enough. That gospel that he preached is not enough. So we're going to have to add some stuff to it. We're going to have to slap a yellow tag on it. And you know just as well as I do now that yellow tags may look like discounts. They may look like good deals, but they're not. 
when a yellow tag gets slapped on something, it becomes worthless, even if there's still a dollar amount attached to it. But we live in a society of more, don't we? We love more. That's our, that, that's our, that's our marching orders here in the United States. More is good. More bacon. Yes. Supersize me. Yes. I, I want more options. That's why the Cheesecake Factory does so well, because the menu's 400 pages long. I want more, says an American who does Americanism right, right? Man, work harder, make more money, spend more hours in the office, go, 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 faster and faster, more and more and more. Here's the deal, church. If you take that approach to the gospel, you're going to ruin it, guaranteed. Let me save you some time and trouble. You're going to ruin it. Our main point's on the screen this morning. Anything added to the gospel subtracts everything from it. That's what we see in the first century in this network of churches in Galatia. And I'm telling you what, if we do that today, the same exact thing is going to happen. Our gospel is going to become worthless. And that means that the world becomes hopeless. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches at Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6, Paul gets feisty. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there's another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Verse 9, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man? Or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Pray with me this morning. God, we need you more than anything or anybody else. And God, this morning as we have come to worship you, Lord, I pray that you um, will, will speak. God, we know that, uh, that, that your word is true and it's, and it's trustworthy. And so help us to receive it well this morning. Things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you can see right away, Paul is a, uh, is a fired up man as he writes Galatians. No pleasantries, no, no kind words, no, uh, no thanksgiving. He just gets right into the meat of it. And here's what that tells us. Paul is fired up because the stakes are really, really high. This is a matter of life and death. And so he rolls into to Galatia. He shares the gospel with these churches. They receive it. And then these Judaizers come in and say, hey, that gospel is right. I mean, trust in Jesus, believe in Jesus, follow Jesus, but do Judaism stuff too. Follow ceremonial law. Men, be circumcised to be identified with the people of God. Do all of the ritual stuff. Do the religious stuff. Whereas Paul would say, that's not a gospel anymore. If you want to see the relationship between faith and works and you want to hear that articulated really well, because the Judaizers probably need to do this too, uh, hop into last week's sermon and listen to Pastor Jeremy preaching James 2, okay? Good, good stuff there. Obedience to the law 
is not necessary for our salvation. But don't we just have a tendency to do that sort of thing? Where we take something that's good, take something that's from God, and then, and then cheapen it by adding to it because we're a society of more, more, more. We love to do that. And when we do, our gospel becomes worthless. So, so this morning we're going to look at a couple of ways that, that we often find ourselves cheapening the truth. And the first one is this, we subtract from the gospel by adding water to living water. Y'all know the difference between church lemonade and Chick-fil-A lemonade? <laughs> well, church lemonade is, is really diluted because it's more about quantity than quality, and then the other one is Chick-fil-A lemonade, and so you can easily tell the difference. One's delicious, one's right, and the other one is church lemonade, right? It's just not good. When we add too much water to lemonade, the sweetness goes away. When we add water to living water, the sweetness of salvation goes away too. And here's how we do that. We, do, we, don't, just, we don't just discount Jesus. We don't just hang out and, and start doing things our own way in a real blatant way. We're a little sneakier than that, aren't we? What we do instead is we just make minor little tweaks to, to who our highest authority is, don't we? We do that. We do that. You're guilty of that sometimes. I'm guilty of that sometimes. These Judaizers that hopped in after Paul are guilty of that too. And here's the deal. If you can convince somebody that the authority that brought them a certain message or a certain ideal, if you can convince somebody that they're a fraud, it's game over. And that's exactly what the Judaizers do. And so this is why Paul starts not just with a, with a mundane address, here, here's who's writing the letter. Yes, those things are important, but he goes a little bit further. Let's look at, back at verses 1 and 2 again. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. He reminded Galatians of who sent him in the first place. But that might just cause us to wonder, man, how can we really, I mean, he says that, but how can we really, really, really trust that Paul is sent by a high authority? How can we trust because what we like to do is kind of make ourselves the boss, right? We kind of like to, 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 to make our, our, our feelings and, and make what we have researched and what we know the, the ultimate authority that determines how we live our lives. But here's Paul saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Because he uses the word apostle. Paul, not an opinion. Paul, not a, a, a second thought. Not Paul, Paul, the apostle. What is an apostle? Two things. You can go back in Acts chapter 9, and you can see the, the literal encounter, the historical event by which a guy named Saul, who as he says later down in chapter 1, was excelling in Judaism, you can tell that this guy got stopped dead in his tracks by the living and resurrected Christ. It happened, and that changed the man's life. He did a literal act of repentance because he encountered Christ. He was headed this way in life on a mission to destroy and imprison God's people. And what does he do? He turns dead around 180 degrees and he finds himself now, now being an ambassador for Christ and not an enemy of Christ. You see, the real gospel does that to you. It changes your life. It transforms you. That 180 happens naturally because that's how good God's grace is. 
how can we really trust that Paul knows what he's talking about? He had a literal encounter with the risen Christ himself. But that word apostle also says that he has been empowered to be a witness, to be a, a messenger for the gospel. This is now his life's work. And he spends his life going to places like Galatia and saying, here's how you receive, not earn, receive eternal life. My heart is with our graduates this morning. They're about to enter a world that's going to toss so many different yellow-tagged false gospels at them, it's not even funny. And so we have to be ready. What else do we know about Paul? That guy was inspired and illuminated with the Holy Spirit. You can tell by how much he can get away with when he's talking feisty to these Galatians. He's doing that righteously. He's not sinning because he's super angry with them. He's, he's gracious but firm at the same time because, once again, it is life or death. Paul knows that. When we add water to living water, when we, when we amend the highest authority, here's what we need to, to, to remember. If we can stay watchful, because this happens in little itty-bitty ways, we start trusting things like, like scientific discovery. Well, the science says, yeah, well, my, my, my feelings are, yeah, well, my experience is, well, that celebrity on Instagram said, Your highest authority can be found right here. It's the inerrant, infallible Word of God. It will not change even if culture does. And the infallible, inerrant Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit himself, and it's perfectly cohesive. And here's what it tells you. There is no other gospel than the gospel of Christ, which is exactly why Paul makes sure that he reminds them in the introduction to this letter, in the greeting to this letter, he reminds them of what that truth is and only what that truth is. Verse 3, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who, here's the gospel, you ready for it? Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God, our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Notice who is responsible for the saving work in that gospel. Grace and peace from God. Jesus Christ gave himself according to God's will. This is the gospel. Anything else added to that is only going to dilute it. When we add anything to the gospel, we subtract everything from it. How else do we do that? We subtract from the gospel by adding conditional curses. Let's continue in, in verse, uh, verse 6. He says, I am astonished Remember, no pleasantries. Paul's fired up. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. See the urgency in these words. When you add anything to the gospel, you subtract everything from it. And so those Judaizers who set out to distort the gospel of Jesus, they are toying with real souls that have a real eternity. And they're either going to be with God for eternity or they're going to be separate from him. Once again, my heart is with our seniors this morning, those graduates who are about to be launched out of their households and into this world that has just got, 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 got more false gospels laying around than, than you can shake a stick at. 
and they're going to be tempted to believe because these arguments may be compelling and there may be a whole bunch of people that are believing falsehood. But at the end of the day, the infallible inerrant word of God tells us that there's one gospel and so do not follow those other ones even if their sales pitch is really, really good. I, I, used, to, I used to work at a golf course pretty close to our, our campus here. And, and for the sake of protection, I'm going to call this guy Jones. Uh, I, I knew Jones for, uh, for, for several years. He, uh, he, he, was a, he, was a, he was a big man, <laughs> about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, about 250 pounds or so. Uh, he, was, he was in his 80s when I knew him, but he spent much of his adult life doing a bunch of welding, and he also was like a professional boxer on the side. Uh, so I, th- just imagine a big guy. I saw this dude shadow box in the pro shop one time telling me a boxing story, and his hands, even in his 80s, were fast as lightning. It was crazy. Well, we got to talking on the driving range one day, and this was about the time that, that, that Tiger Woods had experienced his uh, kind of his marital struggles. And so that, when you go to any golf course, that's the, that's the topic of conversation, right? And we get to talking, and he starts quoting John 8. He says, here's, here's my position on Tiger Woods. He who hath not sinned cast the first stone. That's a good word. And so I said, Jones! Jones, I didn't know you were a Christian, man. That was straight from the word. Awesome. He's like, of course I'm a Christian. Of course I'm a a, a follower of Jesus Christ. Next week, Jones finds me again. He played golf three times a week. He was living his best life in his retirement. Jones finds me with, uh, with a book he wants to gift me. And I had a really sweet note written in the front cover from his, uh, from he and his wife. But on the cover of that book on the outside, it said, Book of Mormon. And if you know anything about Mormonism, you know that Mormonism preaches a false gospel. And here's what breaks my heart about Jones. Jones, if you ask him if he believes in Heavenly Father, he says yes. If you ask him if he, you, if he believes that Jesus Christ died on a cross for his sins, he says Yes. If you ask him if he, if he believes that, 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 that God created the world, he says yes. All of those things are true. But we know that that, that particular religion added some very specific things to the gospel. A whole book's worth of stuff. And in 2013, Jones passed away not knowing the true Christ. And that breaks my heart to this day. If you've ever talked to me, you know one of my passions is maybe someday heading out to Salt Lake or even maybe heading across Cox Road here and, and sharing my heart with, 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 with our friends who, who say the right things, that have the right, the, the, the right Christian-sounding lingo, but their gospel is false because they've added some conditions like this one. This is from the LDS website. It says you have to work to the limit then rely upon the merits, mercy, and grace of the Holy One. Paul's gospel is contrary to that gospel. And so he says, verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Folks in the balcony, if you didn't get that, Paul says it again for you guys too. Here it is. As we have said before, if anyone is preaching a gospel contrary to the one you received. Let him be accursed. Jones had all the right words, 
he had all the buzzwords and catchphrases that come with Christianity in its orthodox sense. Yet he did not know a Christ who saves because he spent his life working to the limit and then relying upon the grace and the merit of the Holy One. Work for salvation plus grace makes no sense. And that is a gospel worthy of receiving a curse. Adding anything to the gospel subtracts everything from it. Be watchful for those things. The last thing we're going to look at this morning, we subtract from the gospel by adding self to salvation. This is where, this is where Paul lands for us this morning. He says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Pay particular attention to that word still, which indicates that Paul, as we've talked about, had a previous testimony before he had an encounter with Jesus. And that previous testimony was work to the limit. Do as many righteous things that you can do. And his was under the banner of Judaism. Do the most religious stuff. And if you do the most religious stuff, God is going to bless you with salvation. He's going to see you as good. But we know the word tells us and Jesus tells us himself. If it's on our effort, it ain't good. We, 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 can't, we can't do that by ourselves, which is why Paul's so fired up today because he's got a bunch of people in a network of churches that he loves. And if you love somebody, you don't just watch them crash and burn. You don't do that. He wants, to, he wants to take the attention off of himself and put it back in its rightful place. He wants to put the spotlight on Jesus where it belongs. Remember, Jesus Christ himself stopped Paul dead in his tracks and he called him out of darkness and he ushered him into the glorious light of life. And he knows that if somebody either receives that, they receive the light of life for an eternity. And if they don't, guess what? That person is separate from God for an eternity and that's not a good thing to think about. But as we think about our friends, as we think about people that we care about, are you as desperate as Paul? Are, are, are you as desperate as he is? Are, are, you, are you as fired up as he is about your neighbor, about your colleague, about your family? Are you trying to please God or are you trying to please man? Because we, we so often think about this idea of, uh, man, I just, I, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be kind of in the shadows because I don't want to offend somebody here. Ask yourself the same question that Paul poses to Galatia. Am I trying to please God or am I trying to please man? And if you are trying to please God but you are choosing not to share the light of life with somebody else, uh-oh, those two things are as contradictory as grace and merit. Can't do it. So if you're going to follow Jesus, be as fired up as Paul and share the gospel with your friends. And his heart, his heart is beautiful. The first time I encountered this book, I was a teenager, and I thought to myself, man, I think this might have been my first impression of Paul. Like, this guy, he ain't nice. He's mean. He says mean things to people he apparently cares for. But once again, that urgency, that urgency is important. Um, I've got a four-year-old, and he, 
uh, he, he's, a, he's a creature of habit, and so every morning when we go to school, um, in order to get my vehicle out of the garage, we have to first open the garage door. It's a novel concept, and, 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 but, but he is now tall enough to where he can press the button that opens the garage door, and so if I even think about going to that button, Daddy, Daddy, no, 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 I want to press the button. No, 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 no. Okay, just breathe. Don't forget your backpack and breathe. Every single day he does that. And it just made me think as I was preparing, especially to, 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 to focus on verse 10 here for a little bit, it just made me think, the end result's the same, right? The end result is a garage door that opens and it's sufficient to get our, get our car out and on our way. But you notice in a four-year-old what sometimes we often notice about ourselves and, and as far as spiritual matters are concerned. He wants to be the one to do it. He wants to be the one to have the credit. He wants to be the one who receives the applause because every time he presses that button, I, I condition him. I just instinctively say, good job, buddy. And he wants another good job. Let me tell you something. Each and every one of us have been offered to be rescued. And I need to hear this as much as you do. Your rescue, if it is in fact a rescue, cannot be done by you. Graduates are going to enter a world where you can do it. You believe in yourself. If you work harder, you'll go farther. And those of you who have lived in the adult world for, for some time know exactly what I'm talking about. Those kind of mentalities are celebrated. Yet Paul says, the hero of your story is not you. It's not you. You don't have to earn it and you can't earn it. Which is why what the Judaizers brought to Galatia after Paul was a false gospel worthy of receiving a curse. As our band makes their way up, I want to offer one more thing to you. Let me add one more thing that you already have heard a few times. Adding anything to the gospel. Anything. Even a teeny tiny thing. Even a teensy weensy little thing that maybe nobody else even knows about. Adding anything to the gospel subtracts everything from it. You're not going to see this on the screen, but just listen. I know, like, you, you ask our teenagers, they'll, they'll tell you this about me. They'll say, man, that Nick, he is always, like, three steps behind as far as, like, popular culture and, and things like that. He's always, he's always behind. I'm 29 years old, and I'm already, I'm already old and not cool enough to keep up with culture. What does that say about me? Anyway, I'm going to read you a verse from Good Friday. I know that was several weeks ago now, but here I am just like in culture. I'm just a few weeks behind, typically. This is from Good Friday. This is John chapter 19, verse 30. Not going to be on the screen. Just listen to this. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That's what he did. I'm no Greek scholar, but I did some, I did some study on a, on a Greek word in this text. It's pronounced tetelestai. Here's what it means. Paid in full. First century, you know what they did? You have a, you'd have an invoice that you've paid or a bill that you've paid. Guess what they would do? They would write the word tetelestai right across the bill, giving you no reason to ever pull your wallet out and try to pay for it again. It's been paid in full. When Jesus says it is finished, he did not mean that it will be finished. He did not mean that with enough religious piety it will be finished, or that your tithe determines how finished it actually is, or your job title determines how 
finished it actually is, or your friend group determines how finished it is. Tetelestai, it is definitively finished. Your price for your sin debt has been paid. And church, the gift of mercy, one you cannot earn for yourself, otherwise it wouldn't be mercy, it wouldn't be grace. The true gospel is waiting for you to simply receive. Now when I think about the fact that we can't do anything apart from receive what's been done for us for salvation, here's what I think about. I think about what we're about to do. We're about to respond. We're about to spend some time praying and in worship and thinking through this idea of there being no other gospel. The most fitting position when we consider what we bring to the table is the humble position of prayer. And so I want to invite you all, as we sing this final song, to assume the position of humility. If you haven't received God's grace yet, there's going to be pastors down front. I'll be right here. We're more than happy to talk with you about what that looks like. Anything, anything added to the gospel subtracts everything from it. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.